Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, a popular resistance broadcast of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Black Alliance for Peace, Haiti America's team, Code Pink, Common Frontiers, Council on Hemispheric Affairs, Friends of Latin America, Interreligious Task Force on Central America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube Live, including channels for The Convo Couch, Popular Resistance, and Code Pink. Post-broadcast recordings can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Telegram, RadIndieMedia.com, and now under podcasts at popularresistance.org. Today's episode, Mexico's Secretary of Foreign Affairs resigns to run for president. And I'm happy to invite back to this program my good friend and uh, independent journalist, Alina Duarte. She's joining um, our conversation today from Mexico City. And so we're very happy to have her with us. And um, before we start our conversation, let me give all of you just a brief background um, as to what happened. Tuesday here in Mexico City. It's uh, kind of uh, shifted the ground a little bit, and but it's also uh, kind of exciting as to what's beginning to unfold here in advance of next year's presidential election. So, so here you are, everyone. Uh, Mexican Secretary of Foreign Relations, Marcelo Ebrard, one of the leading contenders to be the country's next president, said on Tuesday he will resign to focus on winning the presidential nomination of the ruling Morena party for the 2024 presidential elections. Ebrard, a former mayor of Mexico City, wants to succeed President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador as the standard bearer of the left of center national Re regeneration movement, which we called Partido Morena, uh, and Morena now dominates uh, national politics here in Mexico. So with that brief background, because I want Alina to share with us all her all her knowledge, um, I want all of you to welcome Alina. And I'm so happy to have you back. You're so incredibly busy and we should talk about your new project also uh, before <laughs> uh, the end of the program, because it's very exciting. And I know you're like living it. <laughs> oh, so I'm really great. thankful for your time. <laughs> No, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here with you at WTF. It's going a lot to work. Yeah, thank you, Terry. So let's talk about um, a Brard's decision to resign on Tuesday. Boy, it was like, I think for a lot of people outside of Mexico, it's like, wow, big surprise for those of us inside Mexico kind of knew it was coming or suspected. Uh it was a possibility. Well, actually, this is the beginning of the race for presidency in 2024. And we've been talking about this here in Mexico for the last weeks or even months. But no one decided to say, like, this is the beginning, three, two, one, we start. And the counselor was uh, the one uh, who started, who decided to resign um, to the cabinet of Andres Manuel López Obrador. And we are not really surprised because he said these kind of uh, things for the last at least three or two months. He said that everyone who wanted to be the candidate should resign. Uh, and I mean, this was uh, an advice for the governor of Mexico City, Claudia Sheinbaum, for, uh, for the senator, uh, Ricardo Monreal. 
and also for the Minister of Government, uh, Adan Augusto Lopez. Those are the principal uh, persons uh, who could really succeed, like uh, being the next president of Mexico. But with this decision of Ebrard, we really are into like the beginning of the the race for uh, presidency. And now we're talking about a councillor specifically because this is the real battle for, for president, for being president next year. It's not a battle between the right and the left. It's a battle inside Morena. Uh, all the pools says that next year, uh, people prefers to have another candidate for uh, Morena done uh, from the opposition, from the PAN, PRI, PRD. Um, and to be honest, I think that that's uh, um, amazing after having almost uh, 100 years of the PRI. And now we are talking about a progressive government that it's uh, going to have like a second episode, a second part of Obradorismo. And that's why it's so important now what they're doing, the councillor, the, the governor of Mexico City, and also uh, Adan Augusto, the second one in charge of this country. Uh, all of them want to be the next president, and I'm pretty sure that one of them is going to be in 2024. In a year, actually in exactly one year, Terry, we will know who is going to be the next president. We, uh, we are going to have the elections on June in next year. So it starts also, you know, like this uh, regressive counting, like for, for Obrador, we're knowing that at this point when we have only a year and a half of his administration. So let's see what happened during the next uh, also weeks, but also this Sunday that uh, Morena, the party officially is going to give the requirements or the candidates for the persons, the people who wants to be the next president. So this is, maybe we should talk a little bit about Sunday for the US audience specifically, how, um, because this is internal party politics for Morena, how they're gonna define uh, campaign rules, who, who, who runs and under what conditions, is that correct? That's this coming Sunday which is what the 11th. Uh, yeah, 11th. There, there's a lot of expectations, Terry. Actually, this Sunday, we are all just waiting to see what's going to happen. <laughs> just because, on yeah, it seems like, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but it seems like all the media, you know, I don't trust that kind of media, but also close uh, people, people close to to the party, to Morena, they're saying that maybe the not only the counselor has to resign, but also the rest of the uh, the candidates. Uh, it was Mario Delgado, the president of Morena. He said that this Sunday, the National Council of Morena will discuss and approve the terms of the call to define the 2024 uh, presidential candidate. Uh, he said that he's going to settle the dates and requirements for people, as I said, who wish to participate in this, pro in this pro uh, process. So he also said that uh, maybe uh, it's on the table, the possibility, uh, right, uh, of resigning, requesting a license uh, to be analyzed on this uh, on this national council on this uh, Sunday. You know, we have been saying, I don't know how to translate this, Cortolatas, no, you know, like the tap 
of the <laughs> yeah when you, when you have a soda so uh, the, no, the, we can pop the cap <laughs> exactly so <laughs> we are all expecting what they're they're gonna decide because basically uh, you remember that Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador uh, he said during the last year or more that the way that Morena have to decide the candidate for governors, for deputies, for the senators is the surveys, is the, are the pools. So uh, this, uh, it was the only, I, I, I don't know, also this Sunday we're gonna know what this kind of pools it's gonna say at the beginning. We knew that uh, they're gonna call you and they're gonna say, uh, "Do you trust Marcelo Ebrard and Claudia Sheinbaum and uh, Adam Augusto and Monreal?" And also, I mean, they're gonna ask you if you like them, if you trust them, if the if you consider that they support women, if they support the LGBTQ wow. agenda, all of these kind of questions. But also, this national council that is gonna take part this Sunday. Uh, they're going to decide if it's going to be just the one question that who do you want uh, to be your candidate? You know, who yeah. who do you prefer? Uh, so I think it's better, in my opinion. Uh, to be honest, I've never been into deciding who's going to be a candidate. But I see, I, I feel like he, like Morena and also the president are taking a lot of measures, a, a lot of decisions to... Um, take care to, to, yeah, to care about the, the, the whole process. Uh, I, as, I, uh, as I've been talking to you during months, it's not easy just to think what's next, you know, like after having these leaderships like Hugo Chavez, like Evo Morales uh, in the region, and now with Andres Manuel, that is a leader not only in Mexico, but in the whole continent. Uh, I think uh, unity uh, should prevail on these elections, the internal elections, um, but it's going to depend not, not only on the decisions on this Sunday, but also about the process that, uh, like political formation, the media outlets, like independent media outlets. So it's pretty important for me, for leftist people, I, I guess, for a lot of uh, militants and of the so-called for transformation, what's going to happen uh, this Sunday and maybe next Monday we're going to know if they have to resign uh, Claudia Sheinbaum, Adam Augusto Lopez and all of these candidates, the, one who be, the ones who be the, the, the candidate. Um, or they're gonna just uh, keep in in their places, like in, in functions. So let's see, Terry, this Sundays, uh, uh, let's have a coffee. <laughs> to talk. Yeah, we may need more than caffeine on Sunday. <laughs> because um, I guess that a lot of people were gonna just waiting for the announcements for these decisions of next next Sunday. Well, so this is. You know, this is fascinating, um, you know, for those of us um, outside of the of Mexico politics and that, you know, what is going to be decided on Sunday is, well, I mean, I guess, um, I guess all political parties have their various processes for deciding who runs. And, but the possibility of having all four major 
Morena presidential candidates resign their current positions, which leaves vacancies and very, very prominent, you know, a cabinet position in the Secretariat of ex, ex, uh, Foreign Relations, Exterior Relations. The governor, mayor, it's one uh, city of Mexico is a state. So Claudia is the governor and mayor of Mexico City. So to vacate that position and Monreal's position, I mean, those are, you know, of course it allows other people to step up and be groomed for the future too, if that, but it also, I mean, I could see it also creating an even playing field for all of them to start campaigning. And there's a really good article that you and I were talking about earlier in El País. I'll put the link in the program notes for the audience. It's in Spanish, but you can translate it to English. And um, I think it was published yesterday, Alina, where it really lays out very clearly what Lopez Obrador's vision is going forward. It is, and if it plays out, it's brilliant. And I would say the biggest theme that he's looking is to not pass the baton to one uh, anointed person, but to create a team of people who can continue the second phase of Obradorismo uh, or continue the fourth transformation, which we did uh, almost a two hour long talk a couple months ago about what the fourth transformation is and why that's so this team, he sees it necessary to build a team. I mean, it is, the strategy is really brilliant if it plan, you know, and extraordinarily responsible of him as an outgoing leader extraordinarily responsible for attempting to preserve, uh, I think in the article, it says the political, the, the current, the political current that has been created. I mean, nobody's him. It's like, it's like we were talking about, nobody's Chavez, nobody's Rafael Correa, nobody's Evo Morales. So how do you, nobody's, you know, Lopez Obrador, but, but with a team of people, you could compensate for that, have strengths in multiple areas. Without this joke of among, you know, I'm the anointed one and you're not, which. Yeah, what I'm really surprised there is like how careful they're being in the, in the process, you know, and specifically, uh, I'm real sure that it's the president Lopez Obrador who's taking, you know, the, the main role, taking care about this, uh, being very careful uh, of, of these uh, next elections. And we may we may have political difference with every candidate with Claudia Sheinbaum, Marcelo Ebrard, ideologically or with their uh, administrations or uh, whatever. But the president decided to call a meeting uh, days ago during the night. It was in a restaurant in downtown at Tocalo. During the night, they had a dinner. He called the principal uh, candidates and also members of the party and governors. And I think the decisions that they took during the last, during that dinner, uh, that's what we're going to listen to next, uh, during the next Sunday. And that's why we are just so excited about listening what's what's next, what uh, they're going to decide. Uh, in this, uh, in this meeting, uh, I think that they talk about what could happen what uh, next, you know, like what happened if Shane Bounds uh, 
like win the presidency and abroad, does he has to leave? I don't think so. I think he has been a, a, a very uh, like brilliant counselor. Uh, he has uh, materialized the foreign policy that AMLO has been trying just to say every morning, like we're gonna support Peru, we're gonna support Evo, we're gonna... and the counselor has done it really, really good, has made it amazingly. Uh, so this article that you're talking about, it says something like if Sheinbaum uh, remains in the presidency, Ebrard would be an extraordinary political operator among legislators. And if Ebrard is a successor, Sheinbaum would give him a legitimacy among the workers of the chamber. So they're trying just to figure out uh, in this decision that, uh, of what's next. Uh, if someone wins the presidency, we need the rest of the candidates to be no. part of this process. And no. it's something that, for example, after a coup, we don't see now in Bolivia. We see the fight between Evo Morales and Lucho Arce and David Choquehuanca, the vice president. Uh, so I think AMLO is pretty smart and he's thinking not in 2024, he's thinking almost in 20. 20, uh, 30, uh, you know, yeah. like it's just like thinking what's next after Lopez Obrador. And it's the big uh, question in the whole region what's next after these big leaders? Um, uh, that, of course, as you said, they're not Evo Morales, they're not Rafael Correa, they're not. You know, but someone has to uh, take this leadership and go straight ahead. And specifically in this moment, when we see, and you know it, that the U.S. is desperate, like in what's going on actually in Latin America, the, the, the name of this program, I bet that the that the White House and the State Department are all the time, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know? Those Mexicanos, what are they doing now? They're like, but, you know, really to... They all, I mean, you know, the, the, the president is brilliant and he is looking at preserving his legacy and, and it's, it's, you know, we all say the fourth transformation is, is a, is a 20 year project. It's not, it's not something one president in one six year term. And in Mexico, the constitution only allows for the president to serve one six year term. Yeah. And so how do you ensure what, what your administration has begun to create how do you ensure the continuation of it and i think you know to pull all the major candidates in as a team and it's like yes it is important individually who becomes president how could it not be you know for ebrard this is a dream for year decades for him and you can't blame him for that and he's been a, he's been a compelling uh, foreign minister and and has the skill and and the and the experience and they all do they all have good resumes they all have experience they've all been groomed very well and so but you know the greater thing is or what the president is expressing the most important thing is to preserve the current political movement the current political space that's been created and take it forward and it's going to take a team of people to do that. And, and hopefully everybody will come out of Sunday's meeting on believing that themselves. I'm sure they do. I mean, because they've all been very loyal to creating the fourth transformation. And, but 
but individual politics are tough, you know, for all of us. It gets, it's hard, you know, that's human nature and it's tough, but this is something bigger than yeah. person. And you so know? many of us are, have so much hope on Mexico right now in showing the rest of the hemisphere how to do this. Yeah, I totally agree, Terry. And listening to you, I'm just thinking about what happened the last 20 years in the whole region. And not only with about the, the, the presidential uh, succession, it's uh, about the role of uh, Venezuela during like the beginning of the 20s. And now the role of Mexico, uh, we, we have to remember that Pedro Castillo, the former president, of uh, Peru, he was detained when he was going to the Mexican embassy. Uh, a lot of people here in Mexico is now, they they got asylum after the, the, the traitor in Ecuador, the traitor of Lenin Moreno, uh, several people who are persecuted uh, by, by its government, uh, they, are, uh, they got asylum here in, in Mexico. Also, after the coup of Evo Morales, a lot of Bolivian people are also here in Mexico City. And now we are saying that this is a kind of uh, oasis uh, in, in the region uh, about this, this kind of uh, issues. Uh, but also I'm thinking about the... Uh, how important is not only the presidential candidate, candidate who's gonna who's next. It's also about the people's organizing themselves. Uh, mm. The role that Morena has, for example, now Morena has three million of people uh, affiliated. That it's uh, a whole world in the region. You know, three million of people here in Mexico, and sixty percent also the pools of the of these uh, journals of these uh, like El Universal, who is a media outlet uh, from the opposition directly. Even they are saying that AMLO has between 60 and 70% of approval now in this moment. And also I'm thinking about what happened with the, with the presidents in the region. Evo Morales used to have also a lot of approval. A lot of uh, the people was, uh, you know, supporting his government. And the minimum details that you uh, decided not to confront the right wing or not to confront the oligarchy, they can make a coup. So I think one of the challenges here is not only to decide who's next, who's the, the next candidate, but also to see all, all of these people who support and who's making possible this government. It's uh, There are millions of people who every day now in this country are changing because of uh, the president all the morning, all the, you know, with this mañanera, with this uh, presidential conference in the morning. People are learning- Every single morning, 7 a.m., he's on his Twitter feed. <laughs> With yeah. millions of people um, I know watching, I mean, it's like, he's like the most popular thing at 7 a.m. on all of Twitter, in the whole Twitter sphere. It's just incredible. Oh, YouTube, two weeks ago or something like that, uh, there was this news that uh, saying that AMLO was the principal streamer uh, in, in, like in Spanish. So millions <laughs> of people, not only in That's Mexico, great. but in the 
rest of the continent uh, listen what what's saying every morning and that's why not only because of this com uh, conference but also of all of these social programs about a lot of things people are changing you know of course there there's a, a lot of people who say that Amlo is not a Marxist he's not a revolutionary he's not like a, a, you know like a real communist <laughs> whatever but he didn't promise that kind of things and what he said he was uh, a wellness uh, state you know and, and he's trying to build it every single day i think it's not easy to live like this country we need to remember in 2006 we started a so-called war on drugs that like started in 2006 but nowadays we have more than 300 a, a thousand people disappeared, 300 people killed, uh, 300,000 people killed. Uh, so it's pretty complicated to be the president of this country. And after that, there are so many people people who's trusting what is doing uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. There are so many people who are organizing themselves. We've seen the mobilizations uh, during the last month, the two, uh, I think one of the biggest mobilizations I've ever seen in my whole life, uh, supporting the president. So things are, are totally changing, and I'm really glad that the president that even uh, the like the the next uh, the candidates of Morena who wants to be the next president, uh, they are being very careful in the process. So let's see. I, I, I really, I'm really. It's a little bit scary, exciting. Yeah. I don't know how to describe what's gonna happen next Sunday when we're gonna know who's gonna like how we're gonna decide who's the the candidate uh, of Morena for the next presidential elections. You know, it's. It's the inevitable, right? I mean, for the last six years, every everyone in Mexico has known AMLO has six years. And it's almost hard to believe that that six years is, you know, like there's know. months remaining. Well, 11 months, the elections are June. I mean, it's almost impossible to believe, but it is the inevitable. And, and so it is gonna be really, really important how it is all, you know, initiated for the transition is, you know, I hear from, from you and, and I just want to share with the audience, you know, for Alina, she's a young female Mexican, Mexican, I don't know how old you are, 30. I shouldn't say that to the, to the public, but you know, half my age folks. <laughs> so, and so for her to, to go to to mobilizations and various other political events here in Mexico City with her and have her say, you know, never in my lifetime did I think we would have a president like AMLO. Never did I think young people would have a vision for their future and be able to participate in, you know, in politics and education and the economy and in so many things. You know, this is, um, you know, it brings tears to my eyes sharing this because... <laughs> Because you are the future of the country. And so for you to be feeling this, to say never did you think you would be, you know, that you were going to be born into a country with this sort of transformation. It's it's really, really, you know, it's very powerful and um, and so, so important, you know, for me as an older person to, to see the future of this political process solidified. And, you know, there's potentially a team you know, a really solid team of four people that's going to come out of this meeting on Sunday, the, this Partido Morena meeting, 
there could be a really, really strong team that comes out of that meeting to take the country into the second phase of, of Obradorism. Oh, am I saying that correct? Obradorismo. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard. Lots of R's yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the, the challenge for the Obradorismo. What to do for the next generations who didn't grow up as in the Chavismo in Venezuela, as uh, the revolution, the Cuban revolution. Uh, you know, like now there are younger people that they are growing now with the change. They didn't uh, grew up under the pre, under the pan. And that's the, the, the challenge for us as journalists, as uh, not so young people now. You know, when I see these 20 years old the guys just going and protesting and doing everything in support of this government. It's just amazing. It's like I, I feel a little bit older now. And, but we're going to see during the next days, during the next weeks, if uh, the Ford transformation ha is a real team. And for example, in the case of the candidates, we're gonna see if they really have a a, a relay in the in their own spaces. If they have um, officials, people, yeah, a team uh, uh, to be up to the moment. And one of the challenges is to how to deepen this process, uh, what to do for the next. Because I'm amazed by uh, how things have change for example me like i as a journalist i've been talking about latin america for the last 10 years and no one listened to me you know in this country we were always just thinking about the north about the us about canada about the uh, like europe and now people are just asking me for example in my in my case like what's going on in peru what's going on in venezuela is it real that it's a dictatorship in in this government and for me it's impressive because I've seen during the last 10 years that this big change, uh, uh, for example, the decisions about the pre uh, of the president in Latin America has changed the mentality of, of Mexicans. You know, when uh, when Evo was coming to Mexico exile, I remember that, that people were just shocked because they were asking me things like in the streets, they were saying like uh, how AMLO is capable to give asylum to a dictator and you know these kind of things. But they were saying at the same time, like, no, no, AMLO wouldn't wouldn't do that. So Abel might not be a dictator. So, you know, these kind of conclusions have changed a lot of things yesterday. You know, there was a rally at the Colombian embassy. And there were, I mean Which I attended, uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So people now are going to this kind of events. We at the National, the Political Formation Institute of Morena, where I work at in the international formation, uh, a lot of people are just coming to our events. It doesn't matter if it's about the Sahrawi Republic or if, it, or if it's about Latin America. There is, there is a, a, like, I don't know if it's uh, the, the beginning or it's just like a, a renewal of these processes of internal internationalism of Mexican left. And I'm really happy about that. I, I just uh, think about how to deepen this process because it's not, obviously it's not perfect. We still have a lot of violence. We still have a lot of feminicides, the aggressions about against the 
uh, against the, the, the journalists, for example, you know, like there are so many drug cartels still in, in this country. There are so many relationships uh, with these oligarchs and the transnational capitals. Uh, and that's why we, I can, I could give an explanation about uh, the the violence against the, the journalists, and now, and not this big narrative that the president is attacking the journalists and the media. You know, uh, in that way, for example, in my case, I, I wouldn't have to be under this mechanism of protection of journalists that I am in, uh, because I'm a leftist. You know, like people recognize in me, like uh, the journalists, that it's kind of part, but something is very critical of the for transformation. But I receive uh, threats. Uh, death threats last year. So there is still a lot of uh, a lot of these issues every day in Mexico, and I think that that's the big challenge: how to deepen this process against violence, against the feminicide, uh, against the, uh, for example, the role that the transnationals had in this country. We have one third of uh, our territory um, given to these uh, transnationals. Uh, so we need to do that. We need to deepen uh, the fourth transformation. Some people say that we are ready for the five, the fifth transformation. <laughs> like, no, 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 stop. It, it, <laughs> we haven't finished this one yet. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, we don't need another one. We need to deepen this. <laughs> for deepen it and widen it for, for the audience, you know, a, a number of things that you have mentioned, the, you know, the the resources given to transnational corporations, the drug cartels, the violence against journalists and women. These are uh, issues that existed long before AMLO became president. And I think this, to me personally looking, this is why you know, one one president serving one constitutional six-year term cannot undo everything that he or she has inherited, you know, over the last 50 to 100 years. It can't, it can't, not in any country, it can't all, it can't all be undone in, in one, and certainly not in the peaceful manner that we're in a, what do I want to say, in a constitutional manner through the, through the legislative and electoral process. And it's going to take it clearly needs more than than six years. And again, this is why it's going to be so important, you know, what comes out of Sunday. Is there a team prepared to take the fourth transformation forward, to deepen it, as you say, to widen it and move forward? Because there is still a lot that has to be undone before you can move, you know, more forward. But it's so exciting for you younger people. And I think you told me or your mother or your aunt when, you know, what, who was in college, like when I was, that never in a million years as, you know, college students would you ever in, in those days when we were in college think that Mexico, like yourself, we never had, would have you know, a, a government that you, like you have now, you know? Yeah, this is the government yeah, that my family fight, fought for, you know, and they, of course, are pretty happy and me as a, uh, not not that young person, but I think <laughs> I am. Still I am. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> still young. Uh, I think that it's impressive the change that we've seen during the last five years, even when I've been so critical, for example, in, in, in terms of the migration policy, for example, that Mexico has, uh, that we're still deporting, we're still treating uh, really bad migrants, and we are uh, condemning all the time what the U.S. is doing against us, and we're like say, doing exactly the same, not exactly, but sometimes they, they have a lot of this kind of uh, policies. Uh, also, um, I, I mean, uh, generationally talking, of course, I would love to, I think it's, a, it's, it's pretty funny because <laughs> during the last years, I've been saying like, of course, we need a feminist uh, national movement that uh, fight for women's rights that, you know, like sometimes I, I remember AMLO all the time saying we are not machistas, but we're not feminists, you know, <laughs> we are humanists. And it was like, no, we're feminists. But this year, last uh, March 8th, for the first time, he said, I am feminist. So, of course, so March 8th was International International Women's Day. March 8th is International yeah, Women's Day. I, I, yeah, he said yeah. so. You know, so it's yeah. like, of course, we can change not only AMLO, but the militants, the, the, the left, like the leftist people. So, there's a lot uh, to do. It's not, I mean, the for transformation, I think it's the beginning. I, when I say, I all the time say, like, the, the 2024 elections is not the way, it's not the point that we are aspiring to go. It's just another kind of beginning of another kind of fight. We're not going to have AMLO every morning in the in the, in the national policy, like, the, all the relationship with the media outlets and the oligarchy in this country and all of this stuff. But, uh, of course, uh, we need to deepen the relationship with the social movements, with the feminist movement, with, um, uh, you know, I, it was uh, pretty good to me just to listen that during the week, Amlo said something like the priorities for his government uh, during the last year, uh, 2024, before the elections. And he said, of course, about the infrastructure, about Maya train, about the airport, you know, all of this uh, infrastructure that was kind of a symbol, a symbol of his administrations. Also, he said that he was going to deepen the, the social programs, um, uh, like, for example, uh, the, the, well, I don't know how to translate it, like the Jóvenes Construyendo el Futuro, I mean, like the youth building the future, you know, these social programs, a lot of um, uh, programs for women, for young people, for uh, the, the people, uh, uh, older, you know, all of these programs, he said that it's going to be a priority for him. And also the wages and the co the, the, the working uh, conditions for the workers, the state workers, you know, about wages, about a lot of like a whole uh, thing about the, the, the wellness for, for workers. And I think he's doing really good, you know, in this uh, thing. He's not... Um, like promising more things, he promised uh, one. He he made one hundred promises, and now he has uh, accomplished. I think uh, ninety eight or ninety nine, oh something gosh. like that. Wow. Uh, and it's a year before. What president yeah, in I, the world right now can say that? Yeah, what no. President anywhere in the world right now can say that. And you know, Terry, it's more more impressive because. 
he made his promises before he knew that there's gonna, there was going to be a pandemic and a crisis in Ukraine and an international crisis, economic crisis. So it's impressive. I don't know what what he would have done if we didn't had a pandemic or something like that. But he has done whatever he like what he can do. Of course, I need I, I agree with it. Some people from the left that says that we need to deepen this, and I think the way to do it is just to be with people, uh, with political formation, with independent media outlets, with uh, organizations in in the neighborhoods, in, in the in the schools, in the universities, uh, also with mobilizations. We've seen uh, this week in Colombia people defending his government, uh, the the government uh, government of Gustavo Petro. Uh, what it seems to be for for what it seems to be a, a like a cool like a, a, a lawfare, you know a it's the expression yeah. of lawfare. Um, and we and and I really believe that we can do that here in Mexico. We need to start creating conditions conditions for the. Uh, post AMLO era in this country, mobilizing, organizing, and just creating these debates with the people, for the people, you know, and, and let's see, let's see, let's see what's, what, what's next. I have, I have three things I, I want you to talk about quickly before, before we let you go. <laughs> I know, I know you've got, and I, and where you're going is one of the things I want to talk about, but, <laughs> but you mentioned, um, earlier about Mexican citizens, you know, stopping you on the street and asking you, you know, why is Evo Morales coming here? And that there seems to be this greater awareness from those days to, which was what, fall of 2019, you know, to today, literally today. And I, and I you know, Alina, I really feel it's due to work like you and, and, and your peers, but also that OMLO's message of integration regional integration every single day in one form or another. He is uplifting that philosophy and making it possible. And again, I'll first and foremost by reconvening uh, the Salak Summit here in Mexico City, September of 2021. Integration, integration, integration. And people can interpret that on many, many levels. So it, it spills out across the political spectrum because integration can mean economic and trade integration. It can mean social integration. It can mean integration in you know foreign policy and foreign affairs on many, many levels, cultural integration. So it's something that a broad num, you know, a percentage of society can relate to. And I really think that that is so important in his message. And I think that I think he really has created that an evolution among the Mexi Mexican citizenship to see, you know, yourselves as part of greater Latin America and the Caribbean and, and the need for that. It's huge, I think. Yeah, I totally agree, Terry. Uh, people now are aware that we are more Latin Americans that part of the North. You and know, proudly so. Proud, proudly yeah. so. We yeah. are pretty, pretty, pretty proud of that. Uh, I, I remember 
uh, even when I was in the university 10 years ago, uh, you know, I, I studied international affairs and uh, like my colleagues, my, the students were saying all the time that, but what about, about the, what about the, the, I don't know, the relationship with the U.S., with Canada, with Europe, uh, all of them wanted to be ambassadors, you know, and now if, I, I recognize that several people now in the streets are talking. And for example, even the, the, the meetings of the CELAC uh, that people didn't know that existed, used to exist, yeah. uh, people were just streaming the, the meetings. They were watching in real time what AMLO was saying to Nicolás Maduro and to, to Lucho Arce and all of these things. People didn't do that 10 years ago. It's just pretty new to be part of Latin America in this kind of way, because there has been a lot of solidarity, of course, even with the PRI, with the exiled people, with, with the people that were victims of dictatorships during the 60s and 70s in Latin America. But this is uh, pretty new because uh, now you listen to a president that every week, every two weeks, every other week, he's always asking the U.S. to stop the blockade against Cuba. Uh, he's condemning the dictatorship and now in Peru. Um, he decided to stop relationships uh, during the coup in, in Bolivia against Evo Morales. You know, all of these issues. It's just extremely important, but also the the the, the foreign policy in Mexico has changed dramatically. Uh, you know, Terry, we met at, at Washington D.C. where I was uh, corresponding for Telesur, and I, we start, we we've been there. We 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 were there in 2019 when uh, Juan Guaido started to you know this issue with the coup in Venezuela and all of this. And I remember that the, the ambassador of Mexico to the OAS was all the time, uh, you know, putting so like a lot of pressure against Venezuela, uh, just making friends with, with the government of Colombia, with Michael Peo at that time, I remember that. And the, the ambassador of Mexico were the ones who all the time were saying, we need to to go against Venezuela, you know, all this issue. And now- They were doing the U.S.'s work for them. I mean, completely integrated with the United States policy. Uh, which is not the case now. <laughs> yeah, totally it is not. I remember our ambassador was, I know, also our counselor, Luis Videgaray, at that moment with Enrique Peña Nieto. They were the, the one who were leading this process of creating the, the group of Lima. They were. Mm -hmm. Now we are totally in other episode of our life and our foreign policy. And we are just listening to president. Our policy now is is Mexico first, Mexico and her people first. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not just, not second to the U.S. First, and and Alma was really really clear about that. And and I've mentioned this to the audience multiple times, and you and I have talked about it in you know in detail that. Um, discourse that he gave on uh, July 28th, you know, 2021. July of 2021 for the for Simon, the anniversary of Simon Bolivar's birth when he, you know, said we need regional institutions, you know, where, where countries sit equally at a table where you're recognizing, you know, a, an America for all Americans and a Mexico for all Mexi Mexicanos. It's, you know, you're your own sovereign nation. And he has really, really articulated that and it, probably except for a very small portion of the wealthy business class here in Mexico, it's certainly something that everyone can identify with. 
he's really yeah. he's really brought that back you know that that sense of sovereignty not sense the reality of yeah. national sovereignty yeah actually yeah, he's really clear. This was uh, this is part of our constitution, you know. It's not just like an invention of AMLO. In our Mexican constitution, now AMLO retakes what the constitution says that it is called the Strada doctrine of sovereignty of people, self determination, peaceful resolution of conflicts. Uh, we used to forget during the last years with the, with Enrique Peña Nieto, Vicente Fox, Felipe Calderón. It, they totally forgot that this existed and they started just to lead this whole intervention against Cuba, against Venezuela, against Evo Morales, against everyone. I know what I was saying with the, our ambassador in, at the way, yes, uh, after having this uh, hyper, uh, this, uh, I don't know how even to say it, like this kind of people in, in our representation. Now our actual um, ambassador to, to of Mexico to the US, now he's telling his face of Almagro's face that he's a hypocritical, he's a cynical, you know, in his face at the in the heart of the OAS, just blocks away from, from the White House. And it's amazing. <laughs> Something's changing. And it has to be like it's totally uh, related to the political Pamela in the region. Uh, we remember weeks ago, he he made a call to organize regionally against the economic crisis and inflation. Uh, he got COVID and that's why they didn't make it. But um, I, I guess that next week or something like that, I don't know if he's traveling uh, to, to Bogota, to the meeting in person with Gustavo Petro. I know that Gustavo Petro actually is traveling, I don't know if today or tomorrow to Cuba, for the peace processes with the, the dialogues with the ELN, but also uh, AMLO is gonna have a meeting, you know, with Argentina, with Brazil, with with Colombia, uh, to make something, to do something about this uh, economic crisis. So we are now, I, I really think that a new integration is possible. Uh, we had the Salah, we had the UNASUR at some point, but now we have AMLO, we have Lula, yeah. we, we have Petro, so let's see uh, for the next years what's what's next. And so let's talk about um, what's next for you, because you mentioned in how the important role of independent journalism here in Mexico, and I would argue throughout Latin America and the Caribbean, it's been crucial, even in the States. Uh, but um, you have a new project that, that, you, that you're heading off to. So I see somebody trying to call you off. <laughs> Let's talk about, let's talk really quick about your new independent journalism project. I have, Alina, included links to all of the social media and YouTube uh, accounts for your new project. Those are all in the program notes for the audience. So, and they can find you on social media too. So, Well, thank you so much, sir. Yeah, we're launching a new media outlet. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> as, as the meeting of the next Sunday, let's see how it goes also with our new media outlet. It is called From the Root, in, in Spanish is The Raiz. Um, it is a new project that it pretends to be radical. That is, that's why it is called From the Root. Okay. Uh, that's the meaning. Like grassroots. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, being radical, that's what we need. Um, so it started with the idea. We had a meeting with Pablo Iglesias from Podemos in Spain, and they're launching uh, their own media outlet called Canal Red. 
Um, uh, so they asked us to have a program on them, a podcast about what's going on in Mexico. So we started creating that. It is called Enre, that it, it doesn't have like a real meaning. It's just like the beginning of phrases like in revolution, in restructuration, in re, you know, like this kind of issues. So that's the same in Spanish, like Enre, that's the name of the podcast. And now we're launching a whole media outlet that it's gonna start uh, next Monday. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the links to the, to the new page we're gonna have. I I promise that we're gonna have analysis on what's uh, the the situation in Mexico specifically, or like the conclusions of all of this discussion that we just had today, Terry. Uh, that's the role the the role that we pretend that has this this media outlet. So we're gonna have this program, this podcast every week with, with Canal Red uh, of Pablo Iglesias, but also we're gonna have a uh, programs. We are trying to create a specific section. Uh, I hope to have it also on Monday uh, to have certain analysis in English. So uh, people from your audience uh, can just watch what's the, the most relevant news on the, on the week or even on the day. Uh, so I hope uh, we we can success on making these uh, debates possible, this uh, another kind of information because even when we have a lot of uh, YouTube channels here in Mexico, the, for example, since Sura, where I work at also, uh, that millions of people just watch these kind of programs. The, we need more, more analysis, more debate. Uh, the, the corporate media in Mexico is just amazing. 11 families controls the media here in this country. So we are pretending to give a fight, a battle, uh, just in, in the last uh, the last year of the first administration of the Obradorismo in Mexico, but also we are ready to the fight for the communicational fight uh, during the next years. Excellent. I'm, I'm so happy for you. This is really an exciting, exciting project that you've taken on and I'm really, I'm really happy and we will be sure to watch you and I'll be sure to share, you know, all the links with the WTF audience because it's just one more place to find real news people <laughs> what's thank really going on outside the corporate narrative so so thank you alina i'm so happy you had time for us today and it's just so wonderful to see you and talk with you i really i just really value the time that um, i can spend with you so thank you thank so much you, always for your support uh, you you've been uh, very supporting for me all the time since we met uh, in washington <laughs> during the coup in venezuela <laughs> And I, I consider you a real close friend, and I really, I really, I, I, like I don't know how to thank all the support you give to me all the time. So thanks for having me again here in WTF. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. So it's a good team. It's a good team. So. Yes. So for the audience, I want to just remind you all, you've been watching What the F is going on in Latin America and the Caribbean. We're a popular resistance broadcast. We broadcast on YouTube live every Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on the channels for the Convo Couch, Code Pink, and Popular Resistance. Post-broadcast recordings can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. So thank you, everyone, and we will see you next week. <laughs>